everyone, and welcome back to A Culture Story. Today, my guest is Ben, and if I were to title this episode, it would be Real Resilience. What is resilience? An ability to recover or adjust? Capable of withstanding shock? How do you cultivate it? I love one point in Ben's story that he shows how his parents cultivated resilience in him and his brother in childhood. Before they moved to Hong Kong, his parents exposed him and his brother to different languages, foods, and customs. They affirmed each other, said proper goodbyes to friends and neighbors, and supported their TCK journey. In this episode, we use the term TCK, which stands for Third Culture Kid. You'll hear a lot more about this term in future episodes because several of my guests are Third Culture Kids. A TCK or Third Culture Kid is an individual who has spent a significant amount of their upbringing outside of their passport country or countries. And while this story is about TCK Ben, the points he makes about fear, about hope, about resilience are universal feelings and they bind us in common humanity. This episode reminds me of what Donald Miller says in his book, Through Painted Deserts. He says, we are shaped by our experiences. Our perceptions of joy, fear, pain, and beauty are sharpened or dulled by the way we rub against time. Listen in. Ben, thank you so much for being on A Culture Story today. Megan, how are you? I'm good. What would you like listeners to know about you? Yeah, wow. How much time do we have? So <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Uh, good. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a treat. I appreciate it. I am an Idaho boy. Well, let me let me backtrack first. I want to make sure we're clear on this. I'm a proud TCK. That's I want that to be understood right away. You know, third culture kid. I'm born in Boise, just outside of Boise, Idaho. Uh, my parents. My dad kind of grew up all over the place too. He was a military brat. My mom is from Idaho, born and raised. She's kind of a small town girl. And then they met in college at Idaho State. Uh, then a couple of years after they got married, my brother and I came along and then the family actually moved to Chicago. My dad got a uh, corporate gig with McDonald's restaurants. And so being the headquarters are just outside of uh, Chicago in Oakbrook, Illinois, we ended up in Chicago which is uh, why I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, diehard yeah. Cubs fan, Bears fan, you name it, fan. Yeah, Blackhawks fan. Uh, but after seven years, we ended up overseas. I was seven years old when we moved to Hong Kong, and then we lived in Hong Kong for three years. Then we moved to, my dad left McDonald's, started his own consulting company. We ended up in Taipei, Taiwan. Mm. And that's where we live. Well, I lived for seven years. My brother was there five years. My parents actually stayed there for 14 years before moving to Singapore. Uh, and they were in Singapore for 14 years as well. So I think they, just over 30 years total in Asia. So. Wow. Uh, I came, obviously came back like many of us do. I came back to my passport country uh, mm -hmm. for college, stayed, started a teaching career. Uh, a couple of years ago, I ended up back in uh, the overseas world. I finally was able to get back overseas and I worked for an international school in Shanghai, China. Was there a couple of years, came back to the States, had some family stuff going on back here, got married back in Utah. I'm not from Utah, but uh, the wife is and, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, but like you, I'm a writer, uh, TCK advocate, and host of my own webcast show, uh, Ben yes. There. Uh, but uh, also, yeah, most of my writing is on benthere.org too. So it's got, and I also post all my my videos from all the interviews that I've done too. So that's mm -hmm. kind of me in a nutshell. I just, uh, I'm like you. 
you know, home is everywhere and home is nowhere. So it's, uh, you know, we're just one of those uh, interesting people with so many stories and yet we're all kind of, we are who we are, right? So I yeah. guess that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. So thanks for sharing a little bit of that nutshell. <laughs> yeah, totally. Ben and I met through his show, Ben There, which is such a witty and appropriate title, <laughs> might I add. I got lucky with my name, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, yeah. How would you describe that show, Ben? Yeah, sure. So to be honest with you, you and I have talked about this. The, the concept of it was uh, just to kind of get me through the doldrums of the COVID issues, you know, and the, everybody, I, I promised myself I was going to come out of COVID with something gained, you know, something new, something, you know, whether it was building something, painting something, writing something. And then our mutual friend, Calvin, actually interviewed me in, in January. And it was one of those things. He kept pushing me to do it. My brother kept pushing me to do it. Uh, to host my own show here stateside. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know what, why not? Let's live a little. Let's try. There's no harm, no foul. I thought it'd go about three or four shows and we ended up doing 30. But the concept... Mm -hmm pretty simple. It was just about people and people sharing their stories. It's, it's kind of what we're doing here. And uh, the majority of the people I had on were TCKs, their culture kids. And a lot of them, I'll be honest, were people that I knew, not everybody. But it's it turned into something that I never expected. You know, I, I caught myself, it was almost therapy, you know, <laughs> because I learned, you know, as a host, you, you just sit there and throw questions out. But then I caught myself going, wow, these people have very, while our stories can be so diverse and different, the reality is we're all really the same, you know, especially those of us that grew up overseas. And for so long, I used to think, oh, this is just a me thing. Or like the struggles I had when I came back to the States was just a me thing, you know, that coming acclimating back to your passport country. Come to find out everybody, you know, no matter they were, if they were coming back to the States for college or Europe for college or just moving back to their home country during high school, everybody tended to have the same struggles. And it was just, it was an eye opener and it was a refreshing thing to actually hear these things after 20 plus years of thinking it was only me. Right. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of turned, it kind of took on a life of its own. It, it started off as just a fun thing. And then the more I got into it, the more, I, I mean, I like you, I enjoy people. Uh, I relate well to people that have traveled, you know, globally, but I can blend in anywhere. You know, we're, we're kind of, all I think wired like that, you know, mm -hmm. but that's really what the show's about. It's just about people telling their stories. There are other people on there that aren't TCKs. You know, there are people that have moved overseas as adults and are just professionals overseas. And, you know, we talked about why they chose that path, the perks, you know, and then the negative side too, because let's be honest, you and I both know there's is for as many good things that come along with growing up overseas, there are definitely some issues and some struggles that we all kind of go through. And, and that doesn't stop as an adult either, because even going back overseas when I was in Shanghai, when I came back to the States, those same struggles hit right back at me, you know, and, and I, it's, it's almost refreshing to hear that, that, you know, I mean this in a really twisted way, I guess, but it's refreshing to hear that other people struggled the same way I did. So, and it's just, we all kind of just kept quiet, I guess, and didn't talk about it much, but it's a way, a way of people just opening up and talking about their stories and, and struggles and life now, you know, everything. We just, it's, you know, I, I don't want to put it just in a box and say it's a TCK thing. It's, to me, my, my show is just a people thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's, I enjoy stories and I, I like to hear people's perspectives. So the next season, we're probably going to start up again in December. Uh, and that'll be TCKs for sure, but we'll, we're going to try to branch it out and, and just talk about people in general. Yeah, so that, that's the show in, 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 I guess, again, in a nutshell. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ben. I love how you're talking about how we are, we are human. We have common humanity. And if we start at a place of a likeness, 
then maybe we do have more empathy and we can have more understanding for each other. And yeah, yeah um, transition. Well, down, we're all the same, right? We're all the same. We all want the same. We all have the same wants, the same needs, everything else. It's just whether you grew up in your passport country or not, you know, it's, I think, yeah, there's a connection to all of us TCKs, but deep down, you're right. We're human. We all have that safety net that we all want. You know, we all want to be loved. We all want friends. We all want just the security of life. And, and yeah, so. I agree. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for creating that platform and the space for people to share their stories. Um, I think it's really important for people to kind of process and even own or claim their stories on your yeah. platform. So yeah, thank you. Absolutely. No, thank you. So. so Ben, what story do you want to share on this uh, platform? Okay. Well, I, I, before we went live, I did warn you, I, I couldn't narrow it down to just one. So you're going to get two. Okay. Uh, they're they're kind of related, but I, these are, these are funny. And yet at the same time, there is a, a point behind them. Uh, as TCKs, we, you know, we all get told, we all have the talk, right? We all get told we're moving somewhere for the first time or even multiple times, right? But we all have that very first talk of finding out we're moving internationally. Now, when I was, I was seven living in Chicago, I'd been there a while. That was kind of a lot of my first happened in Chicago because when we moved from Idaho, I was so young. I was a year and a half old. I don't really remember those days, so to speak, but, uh, Chicago was, you know, the first walks, the first baseball games, the first introduction to basically friends and school and all that. But my dad was traveling a lot with McDonald's corporate side, and he was spending a lot of time in Asia and South America. And I, I do remember the day that we got told we were moving overseas. And, and you know, when you're seven years old, you didn't know the difference. We moved to Hong Kong. That's where our, our, our plans were. And when you're seven years old, you don't really comprehend where Hong Kong is. You know, my parents would tell me it was overseas. Okay. I never even said, I, at that point I hadn't seen the ocean yet. So it didn't really make a lot of sense. You know, as a seven year old kid, you're just hoping that there's other kids. And if there's other kids, you're going to be fine. We didn't, I didn't know the difference between Hong Kong and, and I don't know, Sioux City, Iowa. Right. So it's just, didn't really matter to me. I was all excited, but then like it started to hit home and all of a sudden the days are counting down the days and the movers are coming they're packing everything up. And you know, even as a seven-year-old, you know life's not going to be exactly the same. You know, again, I had no clue. Hong Kong on a map, sure, my parents pointed that out, but at seven years old, the bigger picture wasn't really there. If, you know, if I was a teenager or adolescent, so to speak. But long story short, my dad had already moved overseas, and he was trying to make this as simple as possible. Right, trying to make the transition as simple as possible. Mom was still, mom was with us. My brother and I were packing everything up. My dad did a really cool thing in in the ride to the airport he actually hired a very fancy limo now this never happened okay <laughs> this this was not something the vogel clan ever did um you know we it was just a very super sweet treat and, and they, it came equipped with even the i still is 40 year, almost 40 years later but i remember the limo driver got out and everybody our next door neighbors were all the cries were happening the you know the the hugs were happening everything was happening bags were going in the car we're on our way to the airport and the limo driver got out, realized we were all upset. My brother sat in the front seat. I was in the back with my mom. We're just bawling, bawling, bawling. Mm. And then it kind of hit home. Like, we're really moving. Like, we're leaving. Again, not quite to the extent that you're going far, <laughs> right? Mm. But I remember the, the very sweet old, older man, and he was trying everything he could. Because my brother was, let's see, he must have been about eight or nine, and, and I was seven. I just remember him coming around, giving Kleenexes out. And he was like, it's going to be okay, guys. We got on the freeway heading to O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And he goes, you know, it's really, it can't be that bad, guys. Come on now. It's not like you're moving to China. And it was one of those things like, wow. <laughs> like the, just the tears started coming even more. Like, oh. And the guy felt so bad. 
but it was just one of those things like what were the chances of someone actually saying well we actually it's hong kong but we are actually moving overseas so that was the first one I had to get out there. And there's a reason behind it. I shared that one, right? And the guy just felt horrible. And my mom was trying to be nice and say like, oh, you know, it's, yeah, we actually are. And he felt yay big, right? So we get to the airport. And by the way, there's a little backstory to this. When my parents were saying we were moving overseas, it was Hong Kong, it's Asia. Your seven-year, seven-year-old brain was worried about my dad, my parents took us out to, when they broke the news, we actually went to a, a Chinese restaurant and they were just trying to slowly, gradually work their way into like, this is get used to the scene here, get used to the food. And I just remember then they even brought out the chopsticks and I couldn't do it. I, I was seven years old. I couldn't have coordination, you know, whatever. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And my, they kept explaining that, well, they use chopsticks overseas. Now, of course, you know, if anyone who's been to well, anywhere really, Asia, but specifically Hong Kong, it's very westernized. And of course they have forks and things like that, but I didn't know that, right? Mm -hmm. So my parents were talking to me about, you've got to learn to use chopsticks. My dad's, you know, people can't see this, but you know, he's moving his chopsticks, no big deal. My mom's reaching over, even my brother got it right away. And I was convinced, like I could not get it. I could not get it. Never got it in the restaurant. Weeks would go by. I think my parents even bought me like practice, like a set of chopsticks. And I just been practiced knowing that this is the only, in my brain, like this is the only way I was going to be able to eat. I had to master this, right? I had to master these chopsticks. And so it's now we're, we're past the limo ride. We're getting on the plane, heading overseas. And I still hadn't mastered like, the concept of, of chopsticks. And I just remember getting on the plane and I was all excited about taking off. I'd been on a plane before, but it was to see like grandparents. It was an hour flight, two hour flight. You've definitely been on international flights. You know, the longer they go that, you know, you realize you're getting closer and closer. And I was fine, fine, fine until they brought breakfast the next morning, you know, on the plane. Yeah. And you realize when they bring breakfast, you're probably going to be landing pretty soon. That's when mm -hmm. I remember my mom and telling me that. And so I was cool with it, cool with it, but they kept bringing the chopsticks out and I still hadn't mastered chopsticks. I mean, seven-year-old brain, I'm terrified now because now I'm realizing, uh-oh, if I can't get this down and we're having breakfast and we're landing soon, I'm never going to eat again. Oh, no. Right? Logical what, for seven-year-old. Yeah, logical, right? Totally logical. Yes. This, is, this is how the seven-year-old brain works, but... The good news is, you know, story wraps back around. We land in Hong Kong. We ended up, because we landed right prior to, our house wasn't ready yet, so we ended up staying in a hotel, the Hilton Hotel in Hong Kong, which isn't there anymore, sadly. But mm. through practice, through all that stuff, and then through reality of just knowing that, I ended up learning to use chopsticks and everything great. I'm obviously here today, so I didn't starve to death. But yeah, those were my two. I just remember those stories like sticking you, you know, out of my mind about just that transition, you know, the fears that come along with moving, period. But right. you know, more so moving to an international place or in you know, those are those are my childhood memories of I mean, like you, I have a thousand stories, but those are the right. ones that like initially stick out in my head over like that fear, that constant fear of like Oh boy, we're we're not just moving, we're moving. Like it's it you're going you're going to a whole different culture, different lifestyle, everything. But like the the, the limo driver saying that, yeah, don't you know, don't feel feel too bad. You could be moving to China. And of course we were. He didn't know that. Right. So right. and then just the whole concept of being seven years old sitting on an airplane thinking I was never gonna eat again, I was gonna starve because I couldn't use chopsticks. Did you yeah. ever articulate that fear to your parents or did they figure out Oh yeah. I mean they ne chopsticks? they never oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mom and dad were great. They they never they they would it became kind of a the chopsticks side of thing came kind of became like a family joke. But when you're seven, you take it, you know, intrinsically you personalize it, right? Right. Um, they kept, I mean, I was never, it was never said like, you have to do this or you're not going to eat. That's not, it was just my brain thinking like, we're going to a foreign place. This is how they eat. I can't do it. Everybody else can. 
what am I going to do? Like, you know, you just, that logic side of things, you know, your brain hasn't really, I mean, even today my brain maybe hasn't functioned that way, right? So, or filled out that way. But I just remember that being, I'd be mortified and terrified on the plane. I was more worried about how I couldn't use chopsticks than actually landing in, in Hong Kong and starting life there. So just, you know, wild little stories, but yeah. How elated were you when you saw a fork there? Oh, super happy. I think I saw a spoon first because we went, I think the first meal we ever had, it was, we had those Chinese spoons. It was noodles, beef noodle or something like that. And we had spoons too. So I just remember like slurping the soup and trying to wrap the noodles around the spoon. So I was like, okay, this can't be that bad. Well, I think I'm going to be okay. As long as, you know, I can, I can handle a spoon. I can handle a spoon. I can do spoons. So. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, uh, those are my two stories. I just, I, I again, I have thousands as you do, but, um, Why did but you that choose was, these two? you know, I, I think I chose them because like you, I mean, it, when you, when you move the way we did or grew up the way we did, it, it truly is a matter of perception. Even as a seven year old, you know, the, the fear of the unknown, you know, whether you're seven or 17 or 27 or, 47, you know, if you're moving to a place that you're not comfortable with, you know, things always have a way of working out. You know, we, we tend psychologically, we tend to go to that dark spot real quick, you know, no matter what our ages are. And then um, things always have a way of working out. They're never as bad as they seem, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes the most scary adventures can lead to the biggest blessings. And that's, I think the, the best way I can describe that overseas life, overseas life is, you know, moving overseas while it was initially scary, it made me who I am. Uh, I met some of the most amazing people that I'm still in constant contact with today. My mm-hmm. best friend from my middle school days was my best friend at my wedding. I'm his his daughter's godfather. You know, we've known each other 30 some years. Um, I love it. Yeah, and just incredible adventures. You know, once you're over there and, and if you allow yourself to take a breath and, and just really try, I guess is, is the right way to put it. Um, it's an incredible lifestyle. You know, it's not, I don't mean that you know, better or worse than anybody else. It's just, that becomes a way of life that you become so accustomed to because it's, it's a blessing more than a curse. There's definitely hard parts. You and I've talked about that a hundred times, but the reality is, you know, you're going to miss it when you don't have it, mm. you know? And I think if you can get over that perception and, the, and get over that fear, uh, and I'm not just saying ignore it because there are some real fears, you know, mm-hmm. like chopsticks, <laughs> right? So, um, no, what but I, mm-hmm. yeah. Go ahead. I'm curious. What are you afraid of now? In in now in your story, not yeah, chopsticks. I don't think. No, no, I'm good with chopsticks. I have mastered the art of chopsticks, so that's that's the good thing. You know, I think it's it's the acclimation, you know, of of being back in my passport country, and is maybe odd as that sounds. I mean, you've seen me. I'm six foot two. I'm you know athletic and all that, but there are days still. You know, I've been doing back and forth between Asia and, and the States now 20 plus years. I still have that struggle of acclimation. You know, I've got great friends here, but they get how I grew up, but they don't quite get how I grew up. And there's not a lot of people where I'm at that grew up the way we did. So I still catch myself falling back and I love it. There's no nothing wrong with it, but I, I catch myself talking a lot on the weekends with the people that know me best because you don't have to explain who you are. You know, it's, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's, I, there's, a, you know, like I said, there's great friends here. I've got great friends here. My wife's from here, but unless you lived it, you probably don't quite understand it. And that's okay too. I'm not, you know, again, I, I hinted this earlier, but it doesn't mean we're better or worse. It's just our story. But it, it, the acclimation process, I think has been a little bit of a struggle still. And, and I thought I was over it. And then I got spoiled and went back overseas a couple of years ago and 
coming back stateside. I've been back about three and a half years now and it's still an acclimation process. You know, even just being back overseas for two years, coming back to the States, it's, it's been an acclimation process. So. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I, I, I yearn like you do to get back on an airplane and go somewhere. But yeah, like I, I think I started this by saying, you know, we can, home is everywhere and nowhere. You know, you and I, people like us, we could be completely content anywhere. That's just the way it is. It's, it's all good. It's just, uh, there's definitely things I still want to do and places I'd still like to go see and adventures I still want to take. And yeah, so no more fear of chopsticks though. Yeah. <laughs> so we're good. Yeah. So yeah. What about your place in your story right now? Are you really loving and what are you learning or what do you want to share about your current place in the story yeah my current story is this married life is good you know i I, i've got a best friend who i adore she's fantastic i mean she puts up with me so you know kudos to her um you know just day by day and this this covid thing has given me a chance to kind of step back and put things into perspective you know even the show just kind of maybe that's that's another way of dropping my guard dropping those walls we tend to have and allowing you know for a little more transparency to people that maybe you know there's people that know how i grew up but they didn't quite get it and maybe my show is a way of allowing them to see it's not just me there are a ton of us that do this that's been very rewarding it's it's not just about the tck's that watch the show because there are other people watching it as well and i think they're getting a better understanding of of how we live and how we grew up and and the travel and the connections and and that's been rewarding, you know, just being able to share my experience, but having other people share their experiences. And it's been therapeutic. You know, I, I think we talked about this. It's, I like that side of it. That's a very comforting side of it. And that's something that I just kept locked deep down away, you know, and I just thought it was me and I had to get over it somehow. Um, but I'm in a happy place in terms of that. It's hearing others share their stories makes me happy, you know, yeah. hearing, mm-hmm. hearing that I'm not alone. And even though it's been 20 plus years since I grew up overseas, you know, we're not alone. It's just been refreshing and rewarding to hear that, you know, even your story, you know, you and I, we've never met face to face, but mm-hmm. I feel like I know you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's simply yeah. that connection to the way we grew up. You know? There's, I, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an element of normalizing when yeah. we share our story and feeling known and safe and understood. And those are the core human needs that yeah. I think story reunites. Yeah. And I, you know, introvert and extrovert, I guess, but like I'm sitting here talking to you and I feel completely fine. And yet I get behind a couple of people in line at the gas station and someone turns and says something to me and I get panicky for whatever, you know, it's just one of those weird, there's no reason to, but like, this is, this is comfortable, you know? And it's just, I think that's just a product of who we are. It's, it's, I can't stress this enough. I never, my parents raised me and I'm sure yours did too, to my brother and I, that, you know, we're not better or worse. It's not, we're not better than anybody because we grew up in another place. Mm -hmm. It's just our story. You know, Mm -hmm. you respect people for who they are. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, Mm -hmm. we got lucky and I'm sure you did too. We just had parents that, you know, you don't have to love everything, but you have to try it. You know, and this, you're a guest here in their country, but you know, and, didn't really sink in at the time, but the more, you know, you, you age and you mature and you start to realize, you know what, they were pretty right, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there are some core principles and morals you're, you're drawing out in this, yeah, so, totally, and that totally. is definitely the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, because I'm sure you've seen it too, and that is a hard thing, and we're kind of getting off topic, so I'll wrap this up, but just that, you know, ugly side of, of folks that, 
end up overseas and they give kind of some of us a bad rap and that's that's not how it should be you know we're just we're all here we're all just doing the best we can and let's nobody's better or worse than anybody so it's uh yeah i think you um definitely embody the tck uh benefit and one of the advantages of being a bridge person and i yeah. think you you do embody that well so thank you i appreciate kudos, that kudos. that actually means a lot coming from you so thank you very much oh ben please yeah. We are wrapping up the Good. episode um, yeah. and I do appreciate your vulnerability and sharing <laughs> those sure. childhood fears. I, I do um, commend you for, for being that authentic um, and also appreciate that you shared that you, you did master the chopsticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. We're good. I, I prefer them now actually. Wow. Incredible. So Ben, I conclude each episode with a rapid fire questioning um, mm -hmm. And sometimes they, they do end up not being so short with the reply. So you, right. you are free to expound if you want. Okay. But, uh, culture is. Yeah, culture is a way of life. You know, it's just no rights or wrongs. It's just people think it like we've talked about. It's just people wanting the same things. We may have a different path to get there. Or we may believe in different things. But at the end of the day, culture is culture. It's just a way of life. Such a maybe an easy answer. And I don't mean it as a cop out. I just view culture. It's something that I always strive to, to get more of because I want to see how people live. I want to see what's different from me. I don't necessarily want the exact same culture in my life i want to grow i want to expand i want to see the world there's so many places i still want to get to and, and whether it's a product of just being a tck or just adventurous in general you know i just culture is a way of life that's the way i kind of sum up culture one thing everyone should pack in their suitcase is well, i wanted to say chopsticks but that's not going to work no <laughs> um actually you know very hygiene driven. So I got this is probably an easy answer, but to, like a toothbrush because mm -hmm. I've made that mistake before. I usually put it in my carry on bag, but I've made the mistake of forgetting to do that. And then you get laid over somewhere and you don't, that one hour layover turns into five hours, turns into a day and you know, even two days. That's the longest I've ever gone in an airport. So uh, toothbrush. Especially important. in O'Hare or Very, yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> or in Norita. Norita is a little bit different now in Japan, but I remember getting stuck there for almost two days. Oh, wow. Uh, Lesson so learned. Oral, oral hygiene is very important. So. <laughs> All right. Check. One of my favorite movies or books is? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, you know, I'm going to take the easy way out because I just, I grew up loving this movie. It, was, it came out when I was in college, which dates me, but Something about Forrest Gump always just connected with me. I don't know if it's because I feel like Forrest sometimes, but just the way he paved his way in his own little world and, and somehow connected cultures and people. And that's all he was. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, he wasn't a TCK, but he had a, a, you know, a way of just combining and connecting. And like you talked about that bridge through his own life, just a way of he, he always viewed people just for the good in them. He saw the good in everything. And I I like that. I'm not perfect by any means, but I do appreciate the fact that, you know, something as simple as Forrest Gump could always see the good in, in things. And I think that's kind of lacking in society these days. Hopefully we're getting it back slowly and surely, but uh, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's a great movie, cheesy movie, maybe an easy answer, but uh, there's something every time it comes on, I still catch myself put the remote down and watch the end of it. So. Yeah. A very quotable movie too. Yes. yes absolutely. <laughs> Wrapping up last two prompts. Home is. Yeah. Wow. Uh, home is, uh, you know, if you would ask me that 20 years ago, I would have given you an entirely different story or answer. Mm -hmm. I would have said it's, you know, uh, Taipei or Hong Kong or, you know, 
my mom and dad would probably always say yeah, Singapore because that's where they were at the time, but I couldn't do that. It's, first off, Singapore was our arch rival in high school and I couldn't do that. So, um, but I think it's not necessarily a physical place anymore. The, the older you get, you know, you, you start to realize my personal interpretation of home is, is where you're loved and where you, you love right back. It's not necessarily a place, but a feeling, right? Yeah. So it's, it becomes people. And I think the best way I can answer that when I moved to Shanghai, you know, I didn't know anybody. Shanghai wasn't necessarily home, but the people became home because that, that becomes your home away from home, away from home. Right. So it's, uh, and then they'll like, here, I'm not necessarily from Utah. I've got great friends here. Not necessarily. I'm from Boise, I guess, you know, it's one of those complicated things. Got, I've got great friends up there that I family really. So I don't really think of home as, as a physical place. I think of it as people and, and I can kind of blend all those people from the places that I've lived together and to me, that kind of forms home because that's, those are the people I love. And I know I, I'm loved right back. And to me, yeah. it's not necessarily, like I said, it's not a physical place anymore. It's, it's people, it's connections, it's relationships. The story is. Complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Is that a good way to answer that? Yeah. Uh, it's a feeling. No, I actually think stories, not to get too deep here, but I've always believed if we're talking people in terms of their stories, you know, stories are, it's kind of like a fingerprint. Everybody's got one. Right. And is so many things could be the same, you know, but growing up the way we did, you know, not better or worse, but we just all have a story. We all come from somewhere. We all have adventures. We all have positives and negatives in our lives. So our story just happens to be a little bit more complicated because we didn't grow up in the same house. You know, I moved 27 times in my life, you know, it's so it's, but it's, that's just my fingerprint. It's just, yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's just, it's the one thing, true thing that I think everybody's got. Everybody's got a story. And that's what I think is a beautiful thing. You know, I think the concept of everybody being diverse is a beautiful thing and having your own story and and having the, I don't know, transparency to, to explain your story or share your story. Because we all, like I said, we all have good things in our lives, bad things in our lives that have happened, you know, that connect us as people. But it's that fingerprint. I believe stories are kind of everybody's, everybody's fingerprint is like a story. You know, we just all have them and, and there you go. Yeah. Um, that is quotable. There you go. <laughs> I appreciate it. As I reflect back on this episode, I think about resilience. I think about how all children can learn to be more resilient. For parents, caretakers, educators, etc., working with third culture kids in particular, I would say remember that TCKs, when they move, lose some competence. They don't know how things work and they don't know the value systems. So for third culture kids, I would say focus on transferable skills. What are they competent at? Nurture thinking and not controlling behavior. I think a lot of TCKs fear disappointing their parents So give them permission to not be perfect and permission to fail. Expect high expectation of character, not of performance. For competence and for confidence to function well and for TCKs to feel like they belong and are accepted, they need to feel connected. So nurture the family and friends connections. Adults need to be resilient too. We sometimes have fears of being embarrassed or forgotten, never being happy again, maybe fears of not belonging. And in order to build resilience, we need to see joy. We need to throw compassion at ourselves and not to give up. The seemingly disjointed pieces of your story, of my story, still work in unity, and we need to be present for it. 
The more you connect to the present moments, the more opportunities open up to you. So engage in the here and now. Our fears may also be some unresolved grief, the losses of home, of people, of being understood, and of status. I heard two TCK specialists talk about grief and loss for TCKs. Michelle Phoenix said, grief ignored or silenced becomes a private wound, but grief expressed and processed becomes a shareable strength. Heidi Thunberg, another TCK specialist said, and you know when you have healed, when you have a scar and it doesn't hurt to touch it. Life is full of losses and gains of trade-offs and transitions. Life is certainly like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So celebrate it and explore it. Nurture, relearn, rewire, and rejoice in it. Resilience means to endure, to restore, and to rebuild. In order to have resilience, you need to have risk and adversity. To perceive the benefits of adversity will contribute to your growth and to your hope. So where is your hope? Find points of connection and joy, stay curious, and follow what Brené Brown says. Listen with the exact same amount of passion that you want to be heard. Thank you for listening to A Culture Story.